This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons, and of course Michael, sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. Do you still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. This is episode four, I suppose, of the Patriots Dynasty podcast. Uh, today we're doing the 2001 season week four against the Miami Dolphins. And we have a pared down crew today. It's myself and Mr. Mello. The brothers are off I don't know, gallivanting somewhere. I was but, thinking uh, gallivanting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's Greg's birthday, so him I'll give a pass. Steve is probably on a plane somewhere for work. Not that he really works because he golfs. Um, so yeah, Greg, it's just uh, just Greg you and me, Mike. That's that's right. Uh, Greg didn't respond to my birthday wish. I called him right before this, and he uh, he's hanging out with the resident with Danny Emerald. Oh, nice! Love that guy. Yes, yes. He Danny flew down for uh, Bro Week. I think they called it. Oh no! Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. I thought it was a nice birthday wish. Did you enjoy it? No, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. It was something to the effect of uh, "Happy birthday!" and Congratulate your parents on uh, boning swapping or fluids. I believe swapping juice. I believe swapping. I said. Yes, yeah. I wasn't that disgusting. You have a way with words. It's the way my brain functions. It's a bad way, but it yeah. is a way with words. <laughs> But happy birthday to, to Mr. Gregory Brown, yes. wherever you are. 31 today. Wow. Yeah. And also happy birthday to uh, our niece, Audrey, who is also, well, she's one. So she's got some catching up to do. But they Happy birthday, be. Audrey. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think I am still um, number one uh, favorite uncle so far out of our nieces. Nice. Which annoys the other two Browns. So hopefully they don't listen to this episode. They won't. No, they definitely won't. <laughs> Luckily, nobody will, so we can say whatever the hell we want. Boom. Until they do, and then... Yeah, ouch. and then we'll get canceled. That's all right. Yeah, I don't mind me. I don't want to do this shit anyway. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work, so being canceled might actually be a, a blessing in disguise. That's right. All right, so week four. Patriots at the Dolphins. Um... Let's let's uh, touch on these this Dolphins team. What did you think of them, first of all? The Dolphins team. Um, I mean, I guess it was a bit refreshing, dare I say, on a uh, Patriots mm. podcast. Um, because the AFC East has been so bad for so long that I couldn't remember a team uh, being even above mediocre. I'll fight and, you on that later, but okay. All right, fine. And if you bring up the Bills, I <laughs> can't co-sign on that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think they looked – I mean, they have uh, – they, they, they've always needed a quarterback. I mean, I guess that's their biggest problem at this point. But their defense was solid. Their run game was all right. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the uh, quarterback? Jay Fiedler? Um, yes. So, yeah, so this is – Jay Fiedler was the – I feel like heir apparent – to Dan Marino is is too strong, but he was their first shot at replacing Dan Marino. Mm. Dan Marino retired a couple of years earlier. I want to say ninety eight or ninety nine. 
So Fiedler was the next in line to take over. Um, I don't think anybody was expecting a Marino-esque sort of replacement. Right. Because I don't think there is or maybe even ever will be. Just the numbers he was putting up are what good quarterbacks put up now. And he was doing it at an age where it wasn't quarterback friendly. Like he's throwing for 5,000 yards back when the average was like half that. Yeah. So, um, but this was still a good team. Um, they were still running the AFC East at this point. They had, um, I think, won the division the year before in 2000. Mm-hmm. And this year they finished second in the AFC East at 11 and 5. Like, so they were still. Oh, spoiler alert right there. We ain't spoiling nothing. This is history, but you, there's no spoilers in history. Nobody's Googling this stuff. Do you, we are. are you, do you listen to World War II podcasts, bro? No, I don't. And oh, you should. It's awesome. Could you imagine that it sounds depressing? Uh, depends on who's talking about it. Okay. But, Is it only uh, about World War II? No, actually. Uh, hardcore History. We're, we're going to plug this right now because that's how we do. Uh, okay. By Dan Carlin. He talks about a bunch of different historical things the the my favorite is he goes through the entire world war one um from start to finish and i think there's like four or five episodes each one is um between three and four hours long oh my lord of him monologuing and it's fascinating that sounds pretty cool it yeah i mean it's no, I mean, lot. it does. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. each of their own, right? I, it yeah. just seems like a, um, a dreary um, topic, obviously. Yeah, but he's so excited about it, and he's, he's a very good uh, storyteller. Gotcha. So he, he tells kind of the human side of things, and it, he does it. It's a very well-done podcast. I never I thought I, I'd be listening to a history podcast of four I could see it. I've known you for a while. I could see it. Um, you know, you don't know me that well. What else is I don't dreary? know. Uh, the Patriots in this game. Yeah, see that segue. Yeah. That's pretty do. good. <laughs> let's. Uh, <laughs> that was a fantastic segue. Let's Thank let's uh, let's finish up on the Dolphins real quick though. All right. Um, so yeah, they finished second in the AFC East. They made the playoffs this year, along with both the Pats and the Jets. Because um, you know how's that weak AFC East for you now, Mister Mella? Hey, I said twenty years, man. <laughs> I mean, 20 years ago it was formidable. Yeah, and they, they've always had a, a challenger. The Patriots have always had at least one challenger in the AFC East. But we'll get to that a, a different episode because I can do an entire episode on that with or without you. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I will take that one off then. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, so they lost to the Ravens in the wild card. Um, but I think it's probably a successful season. Uh, their head coach was Dave Wanstat, the the man, the myth, the mustache. The mustache, yes. Yeah, that was. Yeah, he does look like um, a janitor from a porn studio. I think. Um, janitor is very specific. I, assume I would say they have janitors. I feel like. Yeah, a lot I don't know. I don't even know happen. what a janitor specifically would look like at a point studio what i would say is he probably looks like the stand-in if they do have stand-ins for some porn studio maybe yeah i can see that too 
I don't know what that means, though. He looks like Deuce Bigelow, maybe. And I don't, I don't really know what well enough porn is. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Wanstat was a decent coach. Uh, he spent six years with the Bears before coming to Miami, uh, and kind of was like mediocre, you know, kind of like a nine and seven sort of coach. Uh, but when he took over the Dolphins in 2011, they were both, or excuse me, 2000, 2001, uh, they were 11 and five both years, kind of taken over from, I don't think it was, wasn't it Don Shula, then Jimmy Johnson, then Wanstat? Or was this directly? Sounds about right. Shula? Yeah, either way, he took over that like well built team, took them to 11 and five records and made the playoffs both years, and then kind of like, trailed off a little bit they went nine and seven ten and six and then he didn't make it through the 2004 season because they were one and eight at the time and he was uh, relieved of his duties but um yeah it's it's the dolphins um and when wanstat was a coach of them they played the pats tough Uh, the dolphins were four and five against the pats but they did lose their last four games. So they're actually four and one at one point against the Patriots, like early when he had those teams that were built by his predecessor. Um, And then the Patriots became the dynasty that everybody knows them as now. And he didn't win again. I never thought about this before, but do you think like, obviously Patriots are our team and we root for them. But if you think about it, an evil empire side and all that stuff, how many jobs have the Patriots uh, basically gotten rid of over the years because of their dominance? Like you, get, you yeah. just said once that probably due to the Patriots lost his job. And I bet a thousand other people have done so as well. So how do you feel about that? Uh, I'm fine with it. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder what that number would be. Because I think you have to count head coaches because they yeah. never last. Uh, starting quarterbacks, I think you could add in there. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's been general managers. Yep. Yep. And I think like the 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 rest of the players and personnel and stuff, maybe less so, because that's so fluid. Year yeah, year they, they get rotated, right? Yeah, but I think if you counted up all the different GMs, coaches, and starting quarterbacks, I bet you could put together quite a list. That's interesting. Maybe maybe you know, we'll only think about that. Yeah, we'll do some fact checking. And we'll bring it back for for next week. Figure I like out it. how Who's many... doing the fact checking of you. I'm assuming it's me because it's not going to be either me. of the the brothers or right. Yeah. So okay, cool. Yeah, definitely <laughs> get uh, that info and get back to me on that because I'm interested. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> yeah, shit. Yes. All right. So I had uh, usually I have a section on our uh, show notes page. Um, outlining the star players for these teams. Um, but I crossed out star players and just put guys I've heard of because there wasn't a lot of big names on this Dolphins team for them finishing 11 and five. There were guys I kind of, you know, recognize, but they're not ones you're going to see in the annals of the, the history books of the NFL. I don't think. I beg to differ. I thought their defense was stacked. I, I thought, there was two names on the defense and then outside of that, it was like, yeah, okay. All right. Well, I would say two big names 
and then like a couple like solid ones. All right, give uh, me some names. Uh, clearly, uh, Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas are yes. freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, and I remember that Jason Taylor was like, you know, I think Brady recently said that Ed Reed was his kryptonite. Well, Jason Taylor was up there oh, yeah. uh, and causing problems. Yeah, I think for the first half of Brady's career, it was Jason Taylor. In the second half, it was Ed Reed. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, and there was always there was always rumors about both those guys that they would be on the Patriots. So it was kind of sad that I never saw that happen because that's Jason true, Taylor actually. in like a Patriots uniform that'd be sick. Yeah. Yeah, it was him and uh, who was the uh, the defensive end for the Panthers for all those years? Peppers. Oh, Peppers. Yeah, Peppers. he's still playing, right? Always rumors. Is he still? I think he's still playing. Maybe he's not. I think he is. Well, I fact check this. I think he is. I'm going to fill in the space while you're Googling this. Um, uh, I vaguely remember it was a couple of weeks ago. It was raining. Um, You know, Frank Sinatra was on the radio and I was flipping through the channels when I saw his, his sparkly eyes on TV. And I thought for a minute, is that Julius Peppers? And it wasn't. Then I kept on changing the uh, channels and switching through, and eventually <laughs> I turned the TV off because <laughs> I what, love the way killing time. Uh, so you were not far off. He, the last career history list he has, he played. So started with the Panthers, o two to nine, went to the Bears, twenty ten to twenty thirteen, Packers, twenty fourteen, twenty sixteen, back to the Panthers, twenty seventeen through twenty eighteen. Ooh. He was retired last year. Oh, okay. Man, that's a hell of a career. Right? For a defensive end. Yeah. Like he was a beast. Pretty monstrous. Yeah, so uh, Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas. I mean, there, I believe there's Patrick Sertan, which he was pretty okay. Uh, yep. I had him and uh, Sam Madison. Yeah, he was and solid. Two cornerbacks. Uh, I mean, like I said, they're, they're – their names I, I recognize, guys I yeah. know, but they're not like. I mean, I feel like Zach Thomas was like a brewski type. You know, he wasn't flashy, but he was he was in every play. Yeah, he was a he, but he was a name brand. You know, right? He was he was one. He was that lunch pail, white no necked Erlacher. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah, Erlacher, brewski, and Zach Thomas. Right were the guys you know but uh, i think uh, I mean, the, yeah the only case. other name I, I recognize at least on the defense was brock marion i don't know why i recognize him probably just because his name is brock marion and it's one of those i don't names stuck really with recognize that guy too much i don't remember him being good i just maybe i had his football card growing up or something but brock marion was the name that stuck with me i did remember olinde mare olinde oh, yes. mare who but, apparently uh, was a, a, an absolute weapon. And right. I, which I didn't realize, you know, I mean, you don't think of kickers much, but. I think uh, about them all the time. I bet you do. Well, you do this year. Well. There aren't any kickers who can kick a field. Yeah, game. which funny how we all complained about uh, our kicking situation until we. Uh, Speak for yourself. Hey, I complained about everything. Well, that's true. I, I didn't complain about it at all. All right. 
I still complain about trading Jimmy G, even though the Patriots have won two Super Bowls and been to three since then. <laughs> that's besides the point, dude. Okay, <laughs> pay the guy whatever he wants to keep him in the bench until like Brady oh, retires when he's Jesus. fifty. I don't care. Make it happen, Belichick. I'm sick of the Patriots doing whatever they want all the time. What about me? Counterpoint: When has Gostkowski ever lost a game by missing a, a field goal? I can think of maybe uh, one. The Broncos. It wasn't to miss the game, but he definitely affected it. Where then yep. they needed to go for two points at the end. Gronk couldn't make it happen. There was potentially some defensive pass interference, and that's the way it went. Correct. Uh, Name another. Another time. Well, I was thinking about <laughs> exactly. this about five weeks ago. It was raining, <laughs> and I had Frank Sinatra on the radio, funny enough. <laughs> and I, was, you. I, uh, you know what? Like He's missed pretty... I want to say frequently by his standards in the recent years, but I guess that's a good point. I don't yeah. really remember any big ones. There's there's one other that I can think of, and it was way back in the day when they were playing the Cardinals early in the season. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those games where shit was just going wild, where the Cardinals had the ball like late and they were up by a couple points. And they uh, were trying to run the clock out, and I think Vince Wilfork forced the fumble. They recovered it but then they couldn't drive anywhere. So they tried to kick a game winning field goal at the end and, and they missed. Mm. missed and they, they lost that game. Well, I'll counter and ask you, do you remember when he won the game? Oh yeah. When? Uh, this most recent Super Bowl against the Rams. He won that one. Okay. That's fair. And um, I would say the giants game where he kicked the 50 some odd yard field goal as time expired. He won that one. I remember that one. That was regular season you're talking about. Yeah, he did yeah. it again uh, against the Jets in overtime. Uh, I think a couple times, actually, he's beat the Jets in overtime um, in the regular season. So, like, under 10 times that you remember. Big whoop. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be, to be serious for a second, yeah. you're right. Um, he was pretty good. Uh, Vinatieri was awesome. So yep. now to go from those two guys to Nick Folk and all that stuff is pretty disappointing. So a guy like Olinda Mare, I don't even know how to say his freaking name. Yeah, Olindo, no, I think you nailed it. Olinda Mare. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, he was great. I think, I think uh, that's on par with um, Dolphins wide receiver Aronde Gadsden. Oh, yeah. Man, that guy was like, he just looked like a beast. I don't think he was a beast, yeah. but he was like, he just looked vicious. He did, yeah. They, uh, but like, so I mean, I, I this this Dolphins offense to segue to that hmm. um, wasn't a great segue, but I'll give it to you. Yeah, all right, thanks. Yeah, it was all right. All right, we'll workshop it. <laughs> um, was basically Lamar Smith at running back, who the year before had over a thousand rushing yards. This year had almost that. He had nine sixty-eight. Um. It was basically kind of that typical run first heavy set offense with some play action and some guys who were, I guess, burners down the field. So you had to look for the the long play action. Almost it felt similar to like the later Baltimore Ravens with Joe Flacco. Mm. They were more of like a run first team, but then they were going to try chuck it down the sideline. Playoff Joe the, Flacco or regular season Joe Flacco? Oh, this was definitely regular season Joe Flacco. Gotcha. Yeah, I know what you mean. Where they just try to chuck it deep and get the pass interference call. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like we talked about before, Jay Fielder, the quarterback, had a 
decent year, I guess, for quarterbacks. In I mean, he was a bit of a running quarterback too, which was kind of weird. Yeah, like I that, mean, you wouldn't think it, but it came up a lot in uh, the announcers as well, talking about how they were deploying the uh, what they call the the Doug Flutie defense. Yeah, which I thought was an interesting choice of rushing quarterback, but I guess this is pre Michael Vick, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and Flutie is probably on a different level, I would say, than Michael Vick. So I, I'm sure Michael Vick created a, uh, you know, issues for the defense to the point where they had to create game plans just for him. But oh yeah, Fiedler probably not of that caliber, but he's all right for you know a little guy running around. Yeah, um, he definitely got his ass lit up a bunch of times though. The man has no feeling for somebody coming up behind him. <laughs> like I feel like he's the first guy to die in a screen movie because he just had no spatial awareness. Like, he would take yeah, off. And he I got caught from that. behind multiple times by I like, three to fifty pound linemen. And I hate to feel passionate about this, but I'm going to go at you hard. Uh, in you a screen movie or something like that, you would think that the most unaware guy who doesn't know what the hell is going on would get slashed, but that would be too obvious. He's probably also the comedic relief because he's just running around like a maniac. So <laughs> I would say that you would probably you'd probably kill off some well-known person just to kind of give the audience shock and to scare them a little bit to the stakes are risen. Then you'd probably go after maybe like a couple of like the side characters, but like one's a fan favorite, you know, you're like, damn it. You know how that happened. Then it would be Jay Fever, <laughs> probably in some sort of like <laughs> weird sex scene or something where he's like warming up and then boom, down goes Jay. That is how I feel about this. Where he's rolling left on a third and long. Right. Exactly. Boom, third and off long goes is his like, head. Yeah, yeah, he's like reciting poetry and boom, decapacitated. <laughs> uh, Anyways, right. I didn't mean to attack you there, but that's how I felt. Movie nerd. All right, fair enough. Hey, it is what it is. <laughs> All right, so with that being said, let's actually talk about this game. Let's do it. Um, our recording, I know you called this out to me because you thought it was a glitch as well like I did, uh, started halfway through the second drive of the game. Um, and looking at the, um, the Boston Globe things, I don't know if you saw it too, but on the, the front page, they actually talked about how it was because the, um, the United States had launched a, uh, an attack on Afghanistan. Right, it was the first no. day of that, I believe. Yeah, it was the airstrikes on Bin Laden. And, right. Um, so it was kind of like a special report talking about that. And so a lot of the um, a lot of networks actually covered that, which kind of went into the, the beginning of the game. So, Which, again, created more controversy because I read a few things where it was talking about, I guess some networks decided to not show any games and just show the coverage and right. push speak and everything and then switched over and then some um decided to cover the games and uh not address that yeah or or they would like push it off to a sister station the, right the speech and show the game on the regular station yeah it was a whole big kerfuffle yes over that which you know typical can you imagine if twitter was around back then if that had happened i mean no i oh, i that yeah that I mean, we were talking off air about the wonders of Twitter and, and the, the mm. world as it is today and with information. And yeah, I mean, something like that 
I cannot imagine. Which I also wonder what it would do for information because I mean, I'm sure everybody at that point is, far as I can remember, was just curious about what was going on. We were, mm-hmm. you know, afraid what might happen over here, what was going on to people over there. And if you just had a barrage of voices coming at you and in the middle of all that, what would you take from it? I mean, that, that might even be a scarier time looking back if that was around. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. Just because of, I mean, I, I feel like nowadays news isn't so much um who's the most correct it's who gets the information out first so i think there would probably be a lot more um i don't say fear-mongering but just kind of unnecessary fear coming up from all these maybe unreliable stories coming out of like people trying to be the first but not getting all the information or getting incorrect information out Right. But then the the devil's advocate would say, and it's also, I think, an interesting point where you would definitely have some sort of vehicle to hear people outside of the U.S. and how they were viewing things. Um, And maybe some of the people that were going through things that we weren't seeing. And we definitely didn't have that voice. Um, You know, I'd travel to Europe and heard some things around that time. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you'd have to sort of do that to, to hear it. But I guess social media and Internet, the way it is now probably would provide us with different voices and people trying to reach out to kind of explain what they were going through, which is a, another interesting point. Yeah, that is true. But that did happen. And, um, <laughs> yes. So we, yeah. So the game started with the Patriots on the dolphins, like inside their 20, which turns out was because um, the Patriots actually kicked off and the first pass from Jay Fiedler was uh, Mike Rabel's first career interception. That's right. It was a beautiful one just because of how ridiculous it was. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Jay Fiedler was, uh, as the announcer pointed out, throwing into triple coverage before Rabel dropped back into coverage. Right. So there's four guys in, on the one that he was yeah, which, which tells you a bit about <laughs> Jay Fiedler as a uh, replacement for Dan Marino. But, you know, he, he had something Dan Marino didn't, which was the ability to run. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, so you turn it on, and the first play you got to see of this game was um, a Patriots rushing TD by Antoine Smith, which was a great start. Um, not... I think that would have been um, really uplifting had you been watching it live. But knowing what the score was going in, knowing that the Patriots were going to lose this. See, I didn't even know they were going to lose. I forgot. I didn't even check the score, man. <laughs> I went in it cold. I experienced the game brand new. Which oh, is so we'll, that we'll I have don't different recommend. takeaways. <laughs> yeah, we'll have different takeaways of this then because I knew going in this is going to be 30 to 10. No, we I saw the Patriots yeah. one touchdown a couple minutes into this game. Right. Well, and then, like, soon after, uh, Fiedler, so the Dolphins were kind of making their way towards Patriots territory, and uh, Gadsden actually, like, broke free, and he was probably one of the most wide-open wide receivers in an end zone I've ever seen, ever, and uh, or tight ends, and uh, he missed them. Uh, wide open, 
I, I don't know if I think it was like overthrown or whatever. I don't know how it happened, but I was like, oh man, maybe this is a win for the Patriots. I forget. Like we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and then a couple of plays later, that was pretty much destroyed. So that yeah. was as far as I got with the hope on this one. I think that was in the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, I think it was still pretty close. Even like, I think at halftime was like seventeen ten or something. Yeah, deep deep into the into the second quarter. The Patriots were they were tied at ten. They were hanging in there. And the Dolphins had that last drive right at the end where they scored a touchdown to go into the half up seventeen ten, like you said. And then it's like, all right, well, you know, they're hanging in there. And then the third quarter started and the well, wheels fell off. We also have to address, and this is something I I've I guess subconsciously thought about this, but I, I never really pieced it together as to why until this year when I was watching the Patriots um, early on. And then after watching this game, it was sort of solidified, but like, so it was 90 degrees. It was 120 on the field. Yeah. And uh, I also didn't, I guess I somehow missed this information before, but the dolphins wear um, white at home. Uh, yes. due to sun issues. And so they want their opponents to kind of wear the darker colors and soak right. the sun in. Exactly. And the way the stadium faces now, apparently, um, the Dolphins are, the sideline is in the shade, whereas their opponents is in full sun the entire game. Which is interesting because, I mean, the Patriots always have trouble at mile high and they obviously yep. have their own unique circumstances for that yep. stadium. So, um, so that was interesting. So it makes a, a lot more sense why the Patriots have some issues over there. Um, but yeah, I think that definitely played a little bit into it. And I think the Dolphins, Jay Fiedler, especially after the game, was commenting that the defense looked slow. And I was saying it was kind of like the most lackluster performance I've seen from Patriots defense that I can remember. Like it looked like their spirit was broken by the third quarter. Yeah, they were just getting the ball run down their throat. I think there's actually a quote from Belichick in the the paper the next day um one of the reporters after the game said to him like what do you how do you feel about the fact that they ran it on you 44 times and he said in typical Belichick fashion I'm surprised they didn't run it more yeah I thought that was pretty good too because <laughs> yeah they were I mean what they it was they ran 40 something times I think it was 44 times but they had like close to 200 yards rushing like 160 170 yards rushing all in right. I think because um, Lamar, well, I mean, Miller, Lamar yeah, Smith Lamar, himself yeah, had 144. Yeah, so that's I mean it's a hell of a game and a touchdown. Yeah. Oh, they finished with a uh, 209 total between. Damn. I mean, I suppose with um, Jay Fiedler rushing as well, he had how many yards rushing did he have? He had 37 yards rushing, 87 yards passing. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, it, it, I guess it could. Uh, it was shades of the uh, the uh, Ravens game in the 2019 season. Yep. Uh, yeah, it felt very similar. The fact that we watched both of those in the same week, um, right? Felt, I don't know, a little telling. I'm not quite sure why, but it was. Hey, but if it ends the same way, I mean. It's a teaching point, and that was obvious uh, from that point yep. on that Belichick used it. Because, I mean, I was also looking at it. I mean, the Patriots were one and three after this game. Yeah. Uh, baffling. Right. And, yeah, because yeah, you, you look at the end of this, and you, you think, pages one and three, they've lost. Like, all the articles, too, after the game are talking about how 
well, it's obviously not Brady. Like quarterback uh, controversies ended. It's obviously a new Bledsoe. Well, and the, and the the Ron Borges thing where he wrote the quarterback controversy ended after Brady's first fumble. Yes. Yes. So I'm like, wow, what a bold statement. So typical. And he's Borges. wrong. Yeah. How? How? That's another thing on a tangent here. <laughs> What's the point of listening to like sports talk when like anybody could say whatever the hell they want and nobody's held accountable for anything? I mean, you know, between Max Kellerman. Um, you know, the uh, first take guys, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Skip Bayless and, and Shannon. Uh, uh, what's the point? Because you could say anything and then eh, if you're wrong, you're wrong. Who gives a crap? Because that's a pretty bold statement. And I wonder if even like Ron Board just remembers it because there's so much other crap that he said over the years that uh, it doesn't really matter. Oh, don't you worry. I'll make sure he remembers it because I'm going to tweet it at him. After okay. we're done with this show. Do it. He, yeah, he can get fucked. And I'm going to sign uh, up for Twitter, and then I'll do that too. Oh, yeah, because I know we're going to run some Shaughnessy articles too, um, and we'll tweet them at um, the Cold Takes Exposed. Oh, okay, yeah. I love that account. Um, so we'll uh, we'll make sure they know about it. All right. Well, but, yeah, no, I, th- I, I think there's actually it, – it almost feels like there's a cottage industry about hating the Patriots. And uh, I was thinking about this earlier because I've heard this – kind of come up in other places where the Boston sports teams before, you know, 2000 ish were kind of the lovable losers. So the sports writers of the day kind of made their, their names being the, the negative of these teams and like pointing out like, you know, well, here we go again. It's time for, you know, the Red Sox to bungle it away or the pages to be the Patriots or, you know, mm. all of that stuff. And then since like a one and the pages became a dynasty, the rest of the teams have kind of followed. And so there's been this level of success, but the sports media in Boston has kind of tried to keep that negative attitude towards it. Mm. But now it just feels forced because like, the Patriots have won two of the last three Super Bowls and they've been to all three of them. Why are we shitting over how Bill Belichick drafts in the second round <laughs> over the past 10 years? Because honestly, doesn't fucking matter, does it? There's, it's obviously working because they're still winning Super Bowls at a uh, 66% clip. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like the negativity is by design and uh, i feel like they're almost trying to play this caricature of like the page so good so we're going to hate them so that people will hate watch us and we'll go viral because of it doesn't that like make sports that kind of lame though because we know it's a gimmick and of course they have to because somebody has to play the counterpoint so you know you have max kind of running his mouth for four straight years kind of just saying the same thing and somehow he gets a paycheck for that Mm -hmm. but i mean we know that it's an act so i guess like part of it is that he's trying to sell that act so good for him yeah but uh yeah it just seems like i don't i don't know how sports talk exists when um nothing matters i mean this is what i mean this this is how it exists because they come out with these ridiculous hot takes like well, why do we listen to it man because we hate ourselves mike okay that's what i wanted to talk about yeah. why do we hate ourselves um uh, because we weren't hugged enough as children i, I okay. that 
is uh, beyond my pay that's scale. A, that's a good start, I think. Right. Speaking then, of other things I hate. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll touch on that later because I feel like we're going in a pretty good spot there. All right. Yeah, no. Yeah, we'll get back to that. We, we've okay. got a whole season's worth of episodes, so we'll, 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 we'll peel that onion. Yes. Um, <laughs> other things I hate, the stupid fucking baseball dirt baseball field in the middle of the old Miami. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a staple. Oh, it was awful. Like, trying to, watching kickers kick from the dirt. Yeah. Hysterical. Watching, like, linemen trying to, like, like line up in the dirt and try to, like, get a jump on things. Yeah, but isn't there, like, some kind of, like, fun, like, backyard football type of thing to that? Well, I mean, yeah, between that and the fact that all the grass was dead, at least right. it looked like it on, on a... <laughs> I mean, a couple of, like, rolled ankles aside... It's it made pretty... me feel better looking out the window and being like, oh, my grass is brown too. This is perfect. And half of it's dirt. I love it. I, I am say, the Miami football field. Not to play counterpoint after just saying what I just said about everybody <laughs> else, but I will say that that was probably my favorite field of all time. Oh, fucking course it was. <laughs> so uh, take that. And we could debate that all, all day long. Why would, all right, give it to me. Why is that your favorite field? Because uh, it's different? Because it's, it's different, wrong? Man. Because it's wrong. <laughs> okay because it's socially unacceptable it's socially unacceptable like <laughs> no dude don't <laughs> don't attack me over that or are you playing me attacking you no i'm attacking you in that case oh yeah no i don't like that and i wasn't gonna attack you i was gonna say i have a lot of beautiful <laughs> uh childhood memories uh, about that that field um, really? there are a lot of times uh where um i remember watching dan marino uh, destroy us on that field and i remember <laughs> like man that guy has some crazy stats and i would keep track of those stats uh because oh, i had man. no friends and no time uh uh with anybody outside of my parents and um yeah it got me through those days okay i remember there are journals <laughs> when i was a, a kid in school that talked about dan marino's stat lines okay so god damn it i love that field all right all right i mean i i i can't argue that because um, I'm pretty sure I introduced you to the unnecessary roughness uh, computer football uh, game. You did, and by the way, that still might be the best game ever. If anybody can get, what uh, was it, running on DOS or something? I don't know. Yeah, if you can no, find you can, this game. It's online. There's an online emulator of it. Then get if it. I remember, Everyone I, get it. If anyone's listening right now and all you take from life or this podcast is this, download this game. What is it again? Uh, unnecessary roughness i want to say 93 but it didn't have the the date right i don't know there there was a couple of them but yeah whatever the earliest one was um and if i remember i'll i'll post the the link to where you can play it online for free but you could uh literally design your own plays so you could there's a, a chalkboard where you can drag and drop different players into the positions and then click and draw literally draw the routes for where everybody's supposed to run. And I would draw the most ridiculous plays. But yeah, so that game, I think, um, before Training I... A, an obsession over numbers. Oh, but I, I, I can't even begin to tell you how bad it was. I, before I put us in the game, like the, once I finally <laughs> met you and, and made a friend, um, yeah. I would. I think I played as... Yeah, I played as, as the 94, 95, whatever it was, Patriots. So... I would put Drew Bledsoe in and make sure he would throw for 500 yards a game and then put Scott Zolak in and try to get him another 500. Um, 
And at the end of the season, I literally printed out all the stats that I had. Oh, I remember. I think I had my own book too. And I put them in, I put them in a binder and I would highlight all the ones that were um, NFL records. And I was super proud of the fact that I had um, Drew Bledsoe throw for more passing yards than Dan Marino because it was over the 5,000. And in a video game that I had on easy, by the way, I beat Dan Marino by like 200 passing yards. Well, that's he an was accomplishment. Just that good. And that, yeah, that, that game was awesome. I mean, it's right up there with uh, Tecmo Super Bowl, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, Jim Harbaugh on that was awesome. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I love that you pronounce course, that with a hard G at the end. Harbaugh. <laughs> or Harbaugh, as he likes to be called. <laughs> Even better. Only when he's playing in London. That's right. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, that, 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 that game was definitely awesome. And I yes. don't know if you remember the, um, that NFL coaches game that came out for a couple of years where it was like, you would coach the team oh, and like, it was super yeah. weird. And I like the idea of it cause I'm a stat nerd, but, yeah. um, it was sort of like that, but you could play the game. So yeah, it, it was, yeah, that, that game was a great idea, but the execution was horrendous. Yes. Yeah. No, and I don't really know how much did. of a market there is for that type no. of game per se, but uh, you know, yeah. and it was a console was... game and it didn't work. It should have been right, a right. game. But yeah, we were so psyched about that. I remember that. Yeah. So anyways, that Dolphin Stadium somehow <laughs> is connected to that. And I know we finished measuring our <laughs> NFL nerd bonus. <laughs> um, it is what it is, man. I mean, Dan Marino was like my best friend growing up. Wow. I didn't and know then that. you, and then you, but something okay. this weird. All right. Well, you already did, but that's okay. I know. Um, did cool. you? I liked him. Did you happen to catch the uh, the Ray Lucas appearance? Yeah, man. I wrote down backup Ray Lucas, yeah. which I mean, he's on and off starter backup throughout his career. Yeah, yeah. The poor man's Michael sighting. Bishop. I wrote down. Right. Um, yeah, they they would bring him in on third and shorts, and he would immediately get a false start, and they pull him back out again, and then put Fiedler you know. back in to convert the third and long. <laughs> it's good to see him, though. Yeah. I didn't realize he was a former Patriot, Ray Lucas. Oh, I I noticed that. In the, he played for the Jets too, right? I think so. Yeah, but uh, I think what happened was when because it was in the it was in the one of the paper, the articles. I think if I read it correctly, that um, when Bledsoe went down, the Patriots either traded for or signed John Freeze from mm-hmm. the Dolphins, and so the Dolphins picked up Ray Lucas because the Pages dropped him um, to be their backup. So they basically swapped quarterbacks. When, where does uh, Damon Hewitt fit in all that? Um, oh, no, sorry, you're right. Uh, John Freeze was on the Pages already, right, but they picked up okay. Damon Hewitt. Gotcha. Was, yes. I get those two confused. I don't know why. Damon Hewitt, 5-1 and one starter. How is John Freeze as a starter? Um, he's 2-17. and 17. Wow, you just had that off the top of your head. I love it. Did you make that up? I might have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if that, he was, that was ever good. a starter. <laughs> no, that was good. I don't know if he ever was, but that was uh, that was very well done. Thank you. Um, the uh, the matchup of this game, I thought, was um, Matt Light versus Jason Taylor. Yeah, not much of a matchup, but it was a yeah. What did you sort think of, of foreshadowing? That? I mean, I think uh, Matt Light was in over his head, and he obviously got tweaked um, Mm. by the end of the game, so that was an issue. But, 
it's probably great exposure that early in the season to go up against yeah. somebody like that. Yeah, because I, I don't think Matt Light even played the first game because he was injured. So this is his third game as a NFL starter. He's going right. up against uh, Jason Taylor in his prime. Yep. Who would eat people alive. And um, I did I did notice, I think they actually called it out too early in the game where Matt Light was all about finishing the fucking play. And he would block Jason Taylor like even after the whistle was done. He's like, right trying to set the tone and it, it didn't work <laughs> hey but that's like that's a belichick attitude right there I know, oh yeah no but... it was a great attitude to have and I, I think it's that attitude is why matt light played left tackle for as long as he did right um because he just was you kind of need that that mean streak as just like an offensive lineman in general but right which i mean i wouldn't say that he was like amazing but he was consistently good throughout his career yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was a solid left tackle, similar to um, Nate Solder, I think, who yeah, yeah. would have trouble every once in a while, um, but you could usually count on him to quiet most rushes off that edge. Right. If not, shut them down completely. Um, uh, oh, we also failed to talk about um, Troy Brown's fumble. Um, uh, I was I was really just looking at that line in my notes thinking, do I want to bring this up? But I feel like we have to. Yeah, uh, that's probably the, at least in this stretch of games that we've watched recently, I would say that's his only mistake that I've I, seen him do. Yeah, I, I don't think, like just literally in general, I don't think I've seen him make any other mistakes. At least not that I can remember. So yeah, I... I think this we may have actually seen and uncovered the one mistake Troy Brown has ever made. Let's have a moment did, of silence. I, well, did you see his quote about it in the paper too? No, uh, I missed in the post game. They were uh, they were telling him about how um, like the about the broadcast getting cut off at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, did did they uh, did they miss my my muff punt? <laughs> Did, did anybody see that? They're like, yeah, no, that it was on by then. He's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Good old Troy Brown. And I'm not saying that the events were funny. I'm saying that Troy Brown's reaction to his fumble <laughs> is what's funny. For the record. Simmer down. Jesus. You um, canceled. You canceled. Hey, uh, Troy Brown fumbling, though, at the Patriots' two-yard line, no less. Yeah, it was a bad fumble. But it only resulted in a field goal. Uh, and why is that, Andrew? Because they had an amazing, potentially best moment of the game, goal line stand. Yes. Forcing I think I think if they had won it, that would have been the uh, the thing you'd see on turning point on NFL. Yeah, exactly. Films. I mean, it was still a little early in the game, but with the you know the the Vrabel interception, with yep. the touchdown run, with the goal line stand, this was looking pretty good in the beginning, like you said. Yeah, they would definitely hang in there. Um, even. But this was right around the time that the um, Patriots sideline were having headset issues, too. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. And, and Belichick was livid. Oh, he was. He was complaining the whole game, pretty much, it felt like, where he wanted the other team to remove their headsets. I mean, I don't know why why uh, that didn't happen, though. Yeah, it didn't seem to. And, right. Um, but there was nothing. There was, I mean, obviously, we don't have access to the post-game 
videos or anything. So, I mean, but there's nothing anybody in any of the... out there is listening and has access right, yeah. to that, please email. Oh, man. I don't know if I need anything else for my spank bank, but yeah, that would be awesome to have. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in the, in the papers, there was no mention of it whatsoever. There's no like mention of Belichick even talking about it, which as we know, uh, further down the line in this dynasty that um, the opposite would happen quite often. Um, usually from, was there ever anybody other than Mike Tomlin that would bitch about it? I feel like he would do I it every time he the, showed up. Yeah, he's the biggest uh, proponent of that whole argument. Um, I was thinking, though, and this is, again, partly sell his soul. You know you know my views on Belichick. Love yeah, him. Yeah. Very suspicious. Um, <laughs> so uh, I was <laughs> That's thinking... That's why we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, could this have been the first time that gave Belichick the idea to really fuck with the headsets? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because... I mean, it obviously affected him to the point where he was livid, right? So how yeah. funny would it be? And just like now we see Tomlin, right? Let's say hypothetically, and let's agree that he did, um, hmm. fuck with those head- headsets intentionally every time. Imagine like <laughs> Tomlin on the sideline losing his mind and Belichick's yeah. not showing like anything. No, yeah. his poker face is like on strong. And that guy's losing his mind. Inside, that dude is grinning. Uh, yeah, oh, oh, 100%. And you see, like the you know the 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 bug eyed look, you know the anger yeah. just spewing off of Tomlin's face. That's freaking <laughs> hilarious. Do you think that it started with this game, kind of giving him th- that idea? I think uh, here's how far I'll go. I think this game with that happening is one of those things where Belichick adds that to his little piece of paper that he's always scribbling on oh, right. of of Cheek, the cheek. yeah of the of the. Um, of the things they're they're going to take care of for now until ever, like it's one of those things that they're going to be prepared for. It's one of those little things that they prepare for, right? That's now on the list, and that will never happen again. Would you say it's a cheat sheet or a cheater sheet? A Bella cheat sheet. Ooh, Bella cheat sheet. I like it. <laughs> I don't know. It's something to table like for it. now, but we can. Oh man, you know it would be we great. Need to, we need we a store tally. so we can sell those. No, we should tally how many little things could be considered like in the cheat sheet or cheater sheet, right? Tally them up at the end of the, uh, the each season and then just uh, by the end, see what the score is on if <laughs> Belichick is in fact a cheater. That's something that Patriots fans might be interested in. I don't know. <laughs> I think you're right. No, they'd love that. You're going to be their favorite person. I'll, uh, I'll toss it to uh, Steve and Greg and see what they think. Oh, Steve will definitely be all about that. <laughs> He loves being hated. <laughs> All right, so we've blamed the um, pace going behind on the muff punt and the um, headsets. So not their fault, even though they had the uh, the the defensive hold on the goal line. Right. Um. So then I think the, I think it was the ensuing drive. Patriots are moving the ball again. Um. I don't know if you saw this, but there was one play, I think it's like a third and four-ish, like near midfield. Brady goes on a bootleg, and there's a rusher right in his face immediately, so he just takes off upfield. Yes, And he goes for the slide and gets lit the fuck up. Like forearm right to like right across the eyebrows. This is one of my best moments of the game, and not because he got lit up, but yeah, no, that's bad timing on my part, but he I know what you're going to say, yeah. 
Yeah, and he just gets in the face of Walker, I believe it was. And he's just like, yeah, picture a guy on like his, what, second start, just like getting up and just going on a tie. Poking him in the chest. Yeah, screaming at him. That was a good move. (laughs) It was, yeah. But I mean, that's the that's the old school Brady that you kind of remember that that fire in his belly, just like knock and take shit from me. He doesn't care who the fuck that is. He just gets up. He's like, "How the f- how dare you try to hit me in the head? Try to take my head off when I'm sliding?" That's right. And he didn't even get the call for it. No, yeah, I know it was a lot more lax back then. Yeah, <laughs> could say that. <laughs> Which also like. I also made a note. Were the uh, shoulder pads bigger back then? I know we've talked about it. Oh, shit. Dude, or was everybody like on steroids? And I know that in the 70s, everybody was. So everybody was in the the freaking early 2000s. I don't know. But they were massive people running around that field. So, all right. I had something slightly different than that. Um, Okay. There was some story this year about how Brady has been wearing the same shoulder pads since like high school or college, wherever it was. Yeah, Michigan. But you look at shots of him on the sideline of these games, and his shoulder pads are like six inches out past like corner of his arms. Okay. Like, there's no yeah. way they're the same shoulder pads unless they just have shirts that fit differently or something. Yeah, I don't know. Everybody was looking like a jacked up monster out there. Yeah, they do. They look like um, basically what the uh, guys in the black hole at Raiders games wish they looked like. Right. Yeah. That's like, good. Like extra large shoulder right, pads right. sticking out. Yeah, I just thought that was funny. Uh, which um, I also wrote down because uh, you had mentioned it uh, before we got on here, but we can tie it into the steroid talk. But uh, <laughs> do it. Uh, on this day, I believe Barry Bonds also broke the uh, the home run record. Yes. Yeah. Um, the San Mateo alum. Barry That's right. Bonds. That's yeah. right one in the same yeah um so i vaguely remember i mean because i believe we yeah we were in high school i remember this uh this happening uh we would kind of play pickup football games and kind of romanticize this whole like home run thing everyone would kind of like be talking about it week after week Mm. and then obviously the steroid stuff came out and that whole era was tainted um and i you know looking at these guys i'm pretty sure a lot of these guys were on something um, throughout oh, football. Yeah. I mean, obviously now it's HGH or whatever, but and guys were running faster, but they were pretty jacked back then. Yeah. So what are it's your huge. thoughts on steroid use? Um, I think that – I agree with you. I think there were a lot of people on steroids. I think um, football is a game back then. They would uh, – was just a game for bigger people in general there wasn't as much a focus on speed as there was on size and hitting um, because it was more run first. The, the offense and the rules of the league hadn't been tailored towards the passing game yet. Right. Um, and so I'm sure there were pressures on getting bigger than the guy across from you on the field. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, and I think also the equipment probably played into that too. Like you're talking about like these massive shoulder pads and kind of baggier jerseys as well. Yep. This makes everybody look like um, a bit like a Frankenstein costume, you know? Now I'll, I'll toss this out to you because I mean, I'll go on the record and this is a hot take. I'll go on the record. 
as saying that steroid use is extremely bad for your body. It's poor mm-hmm. sportsmanship for those that are not on steroids, not a level playing field. And, you know, obviously if you're doing that and you're getting an advantage, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily feel like I'm the better person or the better athlete because obviously I'm assisted, but you like you said, other people were taking it too. And so how do you compete with those people is the question. Um, mm. But so Barry Bonds, and I've thought about this and it's sort of like everyone likes to play the safe answer, um, which is fine. Safe is keeps you alive for the most part. <laughs> but um, Barry Bonds was, he was a household name and he was great. You know, he was uh, uh, probably going to be considered a great after he was done. But mm-hmm. I would say that once the steroid use started happening, he became a very much a household name uh, nationwide, and he became a star, right? So he broke That's this right. record um, for the rest of his career. I mean, he became the type that was feared, and they would walk him every time. It was like this whole yeah. like lore that was being created around this guy. And, you know, whatever, it came out. Um, same thing with a lot of these guys, you know, Clemens mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, and now they're like the pariah of society, you know, Lance Armstrong, um, all that stuff, uh, which, of course, Lance Armstrong, I mean, it seemed a little iffy that the guy would be so dominant with no peers. But um, we all want It's because he has hero. no balls, Mike. Okay. Cancer. Well, so you're saying he has to compensate for that, which yeah. I, I, it's his choice. I have I just made it more streamlined, that. that's all. Right, exactly. So he's leveling the playing field by doing that. He was at a disadvantage and he was being humble and slightly uh, scared to to reveal that information for being judged. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so um, all these guys, so um, people love heroes, right? They love larger than life characters. They love big numbers. Um, Hopefully people like Brady and Mahomes are clean and like we can kind of cherish them as their careers are over. But Mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah, so these guys are like cartoon characters or superheroes where they're a little bit different than everybody else. And so we praise them. And then when we find out all this stuff, it crumbles, right? And then they become pariahs and we like shit on them. But we sort of had a hand in it because we wanted it so badly, right? Yeah. Um, so my question to you is, so Barry Bonds now and Clemens and all those guys, they're starting to be talked about Hall of Fame and all that stuff. And people are coming around to them because of the era, right? So Mm -hmm. as with time, everything sort of gets rewritten slightly. Um, So he might be in the Hall of Fame, he might be beloved one day. Would you, as Barry Bonds, right? Actually, no, as Andy Brown, fucking (laughs) Barry Bonds. Andy Brown... You're, you start off on the Pirates, you end up being on the Red Sox, right? We'll change history a little bit. Um, right. And you're, you're on the – you're just about to become like David Ortiz, right? Uh-huh. Um, and I, I don't know what the deal is with that guy. Things have been tossed around, never proven, whatever. I just bring him up because he's the most recent Red Sox hero. Yep. So um, basically I'm stalling here, but what I want to ask is <laughs> – would you, knowing that you're going to be one of the greats, take steroids, knowing that it'll also increase your brand and probably give you a shit ton of money, um, and it would guarantee that you'd be one of the greats, and then whatever happens after happens, or would you play it safe, play by the book, knowing that other people do this, and then just be a good player that's eventually forgotten? I would probably do steroids if I knew it would make me the greatest. Okay, so it has to have that stipulation? I think so. 
so but like, I think what, I, but I think that's why everybody does them. Right. So, but I mean, you, you would have to have that thought if you were going to start doing it. So, let's say you're one of these guys where you have your ego sort of plays into that realm because that's your that's your industry, right? I mean, that so, sounds like me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you if you thought like somebody sold it on you or was like yeah man like you'll you'll knock out over 70 home runs or whatever it is whatever sport um you think you might consider it if it would bring you to the next level yeah i think a See, lot of people would i i think so too i'm like it's not black or white man like that's a very no. complex issue and like i yeah. understand it breaks down your body and i'm not condoning it as well but i I also understand what thought process these guys had. And some of them didn't even know really what was going on. Um, yeah. You know, as silly as that sounds, um, I believe some of that. So how can we as a society then condemn these people to the point where they like, they should be in jail for 20 years for destroying the, the uh, integrity of the game when it's like, Hey, it's his choice. You know, yes, it is cheating. Yeah, he yeah. should be banned from the, the, the sport maybe or maybe not be in the record books. But how can we condemn a guy who's like trying to compete and be known as one of the greats? I think that's very black and white thinking. I don't know. It is, and I think there are people who just think in black and white and it's either right or it's wrong. And if it's wrong, then he should be condemned. I'm not one of those people, I think. Um, I And I, I have less of a problem with steroids and that sort of stuff in football because mm. of how violent a sport it is and it seems like a lot of the guys at least nowadays that are getting caught using it are ones who are doing it to come back from injury right quickly. are you alluding to like edelman and things like that oh yeah well i was thinking about rodney harrison but yeah edelman as okay well. um and those sorts of, and i I'm, I'm assuming there have been other people i mean well even like um, I mean, adrian peterson blew out his whatever it was his acl or something yeah and was back within like some ridiculous time or even uh saquon barkley recently had a high ankle sprain which is supposed to put you out for six weeks he was back in like two yeah no and then people wonder they're like oh they're superhuman it's like i don't think it works that way no um well and even like we'll we'll joke about like peyton manning and i don't know if he's taking hgh or not but if the guy has a neck injury and he can barely feel his fingertips and he's doing whatever he can to keep playing the game. I'm not condoning that again because you know, whatever he's doing to his body is his choice. Mm -hmm. But I, and I also don't condone it because not everybody is able to be on it. Like if it was made available, that's a different thing, but I can't like hate the guy for wanting to continue playing the game. Exactly. I can make fun of him all day long because it's funny. But, yeah, especially because of the size of, that it made his forehead. Well, and I don't know if it did anything for his face, but the Manning face is still one of the greatest ever. And you know, <laughs> oh, obviously, that's pure genetics, bro. <laughs> yeah, and then, like you know, I don't think anyone's going to accuse Eli Manning of doing steroids, but they have the exact same face. That's true. His is slightly different. There are nuances, but. Well, well, like, yeah, and the storyline is just made funnier because, like, yeah, supposedly his wife got in all this other stuff and, like, yada, yada, yada. The point is, is that it's funny, I think, because of the situation, how ridiculous it is. It's not funny because of how damaging it is to your body and that you're cheating. But I feel like they're not, to my knowledge, killing anybody or whatever. So I think it's a little uh, harsh to condemn a person again, t- kick them out of the league, do whatever. But yeah, um, you know, I can understand reasons why people might or might not want to do that. 
Yeah, I agree. And on that note, Barry Bonds. Fuck Barry him. Bonds, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But David Ortiz. Castrate that, that motherfucker. Awesome. Get him right. out of here. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I think um, going back to just like the look and feel of these like players, these, I, I thought the other great thing about old school football were the face masks. Oh, I yeah, yeah. They were just so badass. I don't know what it was about him, but like, like the Thai law with the two like bars kind of like on the outside of his eye line, mm-hmm. like coming down like the vertical ones. For some reason, like every time I create my player Madden, I'm like, I have to have the Thai law helmet. Oh, yeah. It's all about the accessories, man. Oh, man. That was so great. Or even the, um, like the ones, the running backs, where it's like a regular one, but like the, the middle bar had like two bars across it. Yeah. A little dip across, like in between the eyes at the top. Yep. Oh, my God. Or those the tinted visors were cool. Oh, yeah. But Orlando Mares, who was a kicker, who had like the, the top of the bar kind of like went up a bit. So it looked like mm-hmm. he was raising his eyebrows in a quizzical fashion. But hey. on his helmet. He always like he wears, he puts a helmet on, and all of a sudden, like immediately looks confused. Right. Amazing. Which is, have... is, is a great tactic. <laughs> Especially <laughs> since he never missed a field goal. Right. He was just, he is, he is uh, underselling people. <laughs> Speaking of football, um, so I, I mean, we kind of talked about the first half, um, and it was decent. Um, but then the second half happened. And I think it was a third quarter, especially where the wheels fell off, because it was 17-10 right at the end of the half. Mm-hmm. Pages got the ball back um, to start the, the second half. Well, can I talk about how the uh, the second half ended? I believe this is how it ended. But you the can second half ended? I mean, the uh, the first half, second quarter. Sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to read and talk at the same time. Not all of us can do that. I'm sorry. How's that working? Uh, not very well, apparently. Thank you for calling me out. You're welcome, <sighs> you illiterate fuck. All right. So okay. t- tell me about the end of the first half, the second quarter. Um, and I'm hoping that this is because the notes are in chronological order, not because I ran out of space. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I re- recall a Hail Mary attempt at the, uh, right before the, the, the halftime. And mm. uh, Brady was chucking it, right? Mm-hmm. And so the uh, the commentators were sort of talking about like, can you you know what what's the strategy or whatever, and you know he drops back to pass and Jason Taylor sacks Brady, which <laughs> I I wrote down. You don't often see that. It's sort of like a prevent defense with a couple of rushers and yeah. you know the quarterbacks running around. So Jason yeah. Taylor lit him up, and that was before what you were going to talk about in the, the second half of the game where things just started to fall off. So I feel like yeah. that was an indication of how things would continue. Yeah. It was the, um, uh, what are they, what do they call it in literary terms where you show the gun in the first scene and you have to use it foreshadowing. The, it's something like that. Yeah. But there's like, yeah. a, it was like a, a smoking gun rule or something like that. Oh, I don't um, know. You are yeah. very good at English. You tell me. Apparently. Well, apparently not that good. Cause I don't remember what it's called, but yeah, the, uh, we but can yeah, edit it, it this was, in and we can make you sound smarter. Uh, that's a lot of editing. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think foreshadowing is a, a good way of putting it where um, the defensive pressure is an issue for this offense right now. Um, 
and I always remember that against Miami. Um, and it wasn't always just Jason Taylor. It was just like Miami defenses in general. But I think even like more than that, it was AFC East defenses in general. Because I think when a new coach would come in or a new GM or whatever would come into the AFC East, the immediate like first step is to build a team that beats Patriots. And the number one way of beating the Patriots, stopping Tom Brady, number one way of stopping Tom Brady is being able to get to him without blitzing. So mm-hmm. over the years, I know there's been a bunch of arguments about how none of these AFC East teams have ever had a decent quarterback, but I think mm-hmm. it's because they always started building with that defensive line and they were always like monsters. Right. Like the Jets always had great defensive linemen. Dolphins, Bills always had these like absolute like just guys that would wreak havoc. So I actually looked it up to find out like who had the most sacks against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you the top ten. Actually, I want to see if you 10. can get, I want to see if you can guess number one. Number one lineman. Um, yes, they're all linemen. Um, and they're NFL wide or division NFL wide, NFL wide. I mean, the top one has to be within the division because just by frequency alone, I would think. Mm. So I would say, I have no idea, man. I mean, John Abraham comes to mind. Um, he's on the list. Okay. He's number nine with six sacks. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, uh, we could go uh, Jason Taylor on that one. Number two, tied for second with twelve. Wow, sacks. no kidding. Um, I would say I, I mean that's it. I'm out. Right. Technically, it is uh, Aaron Schobel. Remember him from the Bills? That one. Oh yeah, I, know. I remember. I would not have guessed that one. That's number <laughs> yeah. one. Yes, oh, he wow. technically had fourteen sacks, although two of them were half sacks. So, or has someone so ever brought this to 12. his attention? Is, uh, I believe so. I think that would probably make him happy. Yeah. So it's Aaron Schobel. Tweet Aaron Schobel about <laughs> I that. I guarantee. I guarantee he knows that stat. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Jason Taylor, Joey Porter, um, who are Joey Porter Steelers obviously also played for the Dolphins. Uh, Sean Ellis for the Jets. Oh yeah, yeah. And then Cameron Wake for the Dolphins. So yep, I feel that. Of the top five, three of those were Dolphins defensive linemen. Nice. Uh, then it gets a bit interesting. Uh, number six, Vaughn Miller for the Broncos. I can see that. Is that is he a lineman a though? He's like a linebacker hybrid. Well, I, I mean, they're all. This is just who has the most sacks. Oh, gotcha. All but, right, but yeah, I think. And then it's uh, Kyle Williams for the Bills. Yep. Surprisingly, uh, Robert Mathis from the Colts, of course. John Abraham from the Jets, like we said. And then at number 10, Justin Tuck from the Giants. Ooh. There we go. But, that, I mean, is that including uh, playoffs? I believe so, yes. And that makes sense, unfortunately. But yeah, so of the 631 sacks that have happened since 2001 against you know, Patriots quarterback in general, so not all Tom Brady, but the vast majority of them are, uh, a third of those have come from the AFC East. So like a, Dang quite a large percentage. Man, so how many was that? 600 and something? 631 
And don't they say that each tackle or sack is like like a car accident? Uh, yeah, I think so. So Brady has potentially been in six hundred plus car accidents. Yeah, give or take. That's fucked up. And of those two hundred and fourteen, were from the AFC East Jeez, players. Man. Yeah. So I mean, this is this is why I think when you think about Patriots divisional games you think of like these slug fests and you know brady having to overcome some sort of stout defense too that's custom built to to prevent him doing what he wants to do comfortably mm. so it's almost uh even more impressive what he's been able to do against them. i mean there's a lot of sacks uh, by the bills but not very many wins I think well, they've beaten them three right. times. Well, I mean, it's also the dink and dunk thing that people love to praise and bash, you know, at the same time. But, I mean, how do you adapt to something like that? You figure out a different way to do it. Right. Uh, which is not necessarily West Coast. I mean, they do their own thing. But you take well, little you would bits think of each that, system. Yeah, that, that getting that pressure with your, your defensive line without blitzing and then being able to play coverage behind that should prevent mm-hmm. any sort of thinking and dunking. Right. Well, that's where the running backs come in, of course. And I think like with Shane Vereen and all those guys, Kevin Falk, like mm. uh, James, White. I think, yeah, Bill Belichick sort of figured that out, I think pretty early on. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense because you have the, the tight ends in the middle, the, the wide receivers in the back, but you know, That's you still have point. these like monsters kind of like rushing. So you have the running back either blocking or going out for like a short two yarder that could potentially be a 20 yarder. Right. So it makes sense based yeah. on like how you're saying. Same, that, same, uh, yeah. It, it shows defenses. you the value of uh, Gronkowski as well in this offense where he can either stay in and block or Good old go Gronk. be a weapon downfield. Yeah. If, uh, if they would only legalize CBD oil, he would be back. That's all it takes. Right. So, yeah, um, so we've kind of been alluding to this, too, um, with talk about Brady getting sacked and pressure and stuff. And um, the actual turning point in this game, I think, was the fumble, which is not something I've, I've seen before because, I mean, do you want to talk through this or do you want me to do it? Go for it. Because the, the, I, I think the play-by-play of this is fantastic because what happens is Brady's – He's actually under center. It's not like it was a shotgun snap or anything, but he mishandles the snap and the ball falls like to his right onto the ground. And the right guard is going back in pass protection. So he takes a step back and the ball falls perfectly where the, I think it's the left foot of the right guard back heels the football like to a point where I think some soccer players would be jealous just the way that he hit it, how square it was. He caught it dead on and kicked it 10 yards directly backwards. And the only people that knew what was happening was Tom Brady and any Dolphins pass rushers. And these pass rushers had a seven-yard head start on Brady getting up the field because Brady still hadn't seen what had happened to this ball get kicked backwards. Yeah, so Jason Taylor, yeah, Jason Taylor picked it up at the one, uncontested, and took two steps and was then celebrating a touchdown. And so it went from being uh, a seven-point game, being down uh, 17-10, to being down 
And, now it's... and it all went down from there. Yes, because now you're a one-dimensional offense and you are starting a quarterback in his second game against uh, the pass-rushing phenom of this Dolphins defensive line. And the results were pretty predictable. Well, I mean, Brady, uh, what I liked about um, the, the, the last minute or so of the mm. game was that the announcers were kind of like touching on this where Belichick wasn't giving up. He was forcing Brady to kind of run his, you know, no huddle or two-minute offense or whatever, yeah. the hurry up, you know. Uh, I don't know if they were huddling or not, but I know there was like some sort of, um, uh, what's the word, desperation to get him a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they didn't get that. It actually ended <laughs> up with uh, Brady fumbling again to end the game. Yeah, getting strip-sacked yeah, to end the game, which right. was literally right after the announcers had praised Belichick for keeping Brady in to, to run this and get him the experience. And that happened, and I thought, well, there's some experience for you. you won't That's right. Anyone. But then also on that drive, I thought it was interesting because they ran a fake snap to Brady um, that went to Kevin Falk. And he had like, their direct snap. Yeah, that was the, the first one that you'd seen. Yeah. Of that play because they yeah, bring where Brady that back. like pretends to like you know be chasing it in like the sky. Yeah, like the ball goes over his head and he jumps right. and like flails for it, and Kevin Fox two steps to his right. So I thought that was an interesting wrinkle, more of the yeah. Belichick stuff, where he's like, you know, there's 30 seconds left in the game. Most people would waste this. Oh, let's throw something out there so people like know that that's there. Yeah, and they might well, have to let's just try it and see if it works. Right, in game situations, and it did. It got. You know, seven or eight yards, I think, which you know, right. at the time didn't really mean anything, but you knew it worked. Um, and they like actually wrote a whole blog post about that play in particular, where they kind of brought it back a bunch of different times. Oftentimes, like when they actually really needed a score for like um, two point conversions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that like was a go to in the um, the playoff game against the the charge that they shouldn't have won. Right. Um, but then I think it was in 07, they did the uh, like an offshoot of it where they actually snapped the ball to Brady and he caught it and pretended to jump over his hand. And Kevin Falk pretended to take, I don't even think it was Kevin, I may not even been Kevin Falk at that point, but pretended to do the direct snap. And it was almost like a um, Statue of Liberty play where Brady still had the ball with his back turned to the defense for like a good second. Mm-hmm. And he pulled it out, turned around, and threw a touchdown to, uh, I believe it was Welk at the time. So they kind of like, they've continued to iterate over it. But you even saw it as recently as um, the Falcon Super Bowl. But they did that. Was that on a two point conversion as well? In that comeback? It was either a short touchdown or a two point conversion. I can't remember. I think it was a two point conversion. Well, and then I also feel like on on top of that, their other go-to now is sort of that like little push pass or like shovel pass that like Brady mm-hmm. does to like whoever's running across. So between those two plays, I think I've seen those two the most. Yeah. Um, that and almost like the real fast screenplay, which is the other play they did for the two-point conversion in the Falcon Super Bowl, mm-hmm. where they throw it to like uh, either Amendola or Edelman, like out of the bunch. Like right. it's immediate snap and chuck it to him. Then the two guys in front of him block and he just like dives through those two. Right. Um, yeah, but overall, I mean, I wrote down Brady's numbers. He was 12 for 24. So at 50%, 86 yards passing two fumbles. Um, and you know, we laughed at the sports writers cause they're both, four takes, sacks. you know, but four sacks, 
47 yards rushing by Antoine Smith. Everyone pretty much crapped on this one. It was um, but, I mean, if, if Bledsoe was, like, ready to come back the next week, I think there would be some sort of, like, thought process going there on, like, which way to go. But yeah. because there was a little bit more time. And I think now, especially nowadays, man, you get a backup and he has a performance like that, I think he's pretty much done. So you're kind of toast. Yeah. So I think it was the perfect storm for Brady to kind of lick his wounds. And, you know, he, after the game, he responded pretty well, you know, still very confident talking about practicing and all that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. About, uh, yeah. Who they interview? I think it was, uh, Lloyd Malloy that they were interviewing. And he was talking about how Brady come to him at practice on Wednesday. And they're like, dude, like practice, like we're, we're, we're doing terribly in practice, but I'm, the backup so i don't like have the ability to like call this out so i'm coming to you as the captain to like call this out that we're practicing like shit so mm-hmm. that you can get us to get our shit together that's how you do it yeah you delegate when necessary yeah but i have to say this is probably the only game of football that i can recall where neither quarterback threw for 100 yards yeah i mean it was um that's pretty uh, really bad pretty rough to watch i gotta admit but yeah it went I will quickly say, though I guess. I mean, I was kind of, you know, I had my eye on the fast forward button a couple of times, but, uh, yeah. but you know, we're here bringing it to anyone who is listening so that they can hear our bullshit, but not necessarily watch this disaster. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'd one say, thing we have, uh, oh, go ahead. This, this would be a, this would be a skip. If yes. You're, uh, if you follow, I would definitely lot, not yeah, watch this bother. one, no. but there are certain takeaways that are pretty good. But one thing we haven't talked about that we've talked about every other time were the announcers. And for me, a part of the fun of looking back at these games is sort of what's being said. Because, I mean, you just see how society sort of changes and things evolve and, like, what people would consider acceptable and what they uh, understand to not be acceptable now. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, I have a bunch of stuff written down from – it was Gus Johnson and Brent Jones again. Yep. And – I don't mind them. Me neither, but Brent Jones – is like, <laughs> I think he wants to be, if he knew like how Tony Romo would be, I think he wants to be that. Because I think to- Tony Romo's fantastic. He's like real oh, yeah. and, you know, he's honest with his opinions. He's funny. And he's excited to be watching the game. He's excited. Like, whatever he, game it is. Yeah, he's got the players, uh, you know, side of things, but he's also a goofball, right? So Brent yep. Jones is a goofball, but I think he's like highly uncomfortable in like funny ways. Now looking back, yeah. I don't think this guy would have a job for two weeks um, today. <laughs> Not doing this. I don't know what he's doing now. Maybe you might know. still be doing this, but probably I, I can't imagine though. <laughs> so can, can you look so that what's up, making please? you say this? All right, man. First of all, um, the first thing that I, I got to this game, which is like basic, basic, like comedy, I feel like, and this guy was shitting himself, but um, they were talking about how, you know, it was hot on the field. This is right to start off the game. And uh, then that they show it, they cut away to a cheerleader and the cheerleader, you know, has got this bit where <laughs> she's holding a thermometer and it's like 120 degrees, whatever. And let's see, it wasn't even that funny but let me see so brent jones he goes uh you know that is hot down there (laughs) and he's like shitting himself and i'm sitting there going what the fuck and then like um gus 
He goes, oh, well, I have enough savvy to not comment on that. Yeah. And then Brent goes, I think my career is over. So even then <laughs> he knew that that was like inappropriate. And the guy's like falling uh, over himself for literally two more plays. Yeah, um, it wasn't good. But yeah, no. he, he was cracking himself up over that one. He Dude, loved it. I, I, it was hilarious. Another comment. Um, Brent Jones goes, Mark Edwards, great hands for a fullback. And then Gus yeah. goes, really? And I was like, what does that mean? What <laughs> <laughs> kind of like response is that? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then another personal favorite of mine, uh, Gus, we were out on the practice uh, field on Friday. It was so hot. We were standing around, almost fell out. Yeah. And then Brent Jones goes, don't say we. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Yeah. And now, <laughs> Fucking hard out. Uh, this also brings me I can me sweat to- with the best of them. He said some shit that I assume are football terms, but I'm not as savvy as you are, Andy. So I wrote these things down, and maybe you can enlighten me on what the hell he was talking about. And I assume that they're football-related. The first one is Herc and Jerk. (laughs) Um, I don't know if that's a real football term. I thought that was more like a weightlifting term. Don't they have like a clean jerk and a... Something like that, and a Herkin jerk. What is a Herkin jerk? I don't know. It doesn't. It sounds painful, doesn't it? It sounds like <laughs> a technique for sure. Yeah, uh, uh, he may have made that one up. Okay, so you're gonna go not not football on this one. Yeah. All right. So the next one, delivering the wood. Oh, that's definitely a thing. Yeah. What is that? That means laying a big hit. Laying a big hit, so it doesn't. It means it's a football thing. Yeah. Okay. It's like hitting somebody in the face with two by four. That's sort of delivering the wood. Not oh, like gotcha. Not okay. like showing up with a pickup truck full of um, firewood. It's not okay. That sort of delivery. Right. Just like two by four across the head. Got it. Yeah. Um, looking for gaping holes. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's a good segue to the one that I wrote down. Okay. I still want to know, but go on. Um, Brent Jones, these holes are tight with the Patriots. You have to keep pounding at them. See, he's good with it. What is that? What is the gaping holes, pounding the holes mean for those that don't know, including myself? Um, I, I believe that's um, talking about the running game where uh, you want the offensive lineman to open up holes. Oh, okay. The, so the, the defensive line. They're looking for the gaping holes. So, so yeah, a, a bigger hole is better um, in this term okay. of gaping. Whereas um, if the, the holes are tight, like they are with the Patriots, you have to keep pounding them so that they become gaping. Gotcha. Okay. So that's a football term. Yes. Okay. And then, um, so then there was take your crack or give it away. Uh, do we have any context to this one? Um, it was like, you know, you're driving, <laughs> let's say it's fourth down, you know, yeah. you're, you're trying to toss it up. And you take your crack or give it away, he said. Oh, interesting. Um, I think that might just be um, a Freudian slip of the tongue. And Brent Jones is actually a cocaine addict. Okay, so not football related. Yeah, I don't think so. And then my last one that I have written down here, the little man in the canoe. (laughs) Is that that football or not football? It is football? football. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it... Oh, you know what it is? I bet it's a chin strap. It's your chin being in the chin okay. strap. 
I don't think he said it in the game. I'm just curious. <laughs> I had one more. Um, oh, that he actually said? Yeah, um, and it's it's not uh, sexual. Okay. Um, well, wait. What you didn't tell me what that meant? It's just. I thought wrong. you said it was a chin strap. No, it is. You know what I mean. Okay. It's 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 the. I lower put down chin strap. football. The lower hemisphere of chin strap. Yeah. So football. Yeah, vaguely football related. Okay, moving on. Um, so uh, when Belichick was flipping his shit um, about the the headsets, yeah, they showed him and he was livid. And Brent goes, "You never see Bill Belichick this animated." As he's yelling at the referees, and I thought, "Really? I feel like he's always that animated." Uh, but is that revisionist? Are we looking back? I mean, he's always pretty much like that, but yeah, I don't think that's a secret. And this wasn't like his first season with the team, but it know. might be the first time that Brent Jones was paying attention. Yeah, well, he I obviously mean, wasn't paying attention to all the other stuff. There were a lot of cheerleaders and a lot of gaping holes, so hey, he was the scratch. You're talking about. The lineman opening up I'm talking holes about two for running backs. Yeah, no, those are two different things. Dude, I'm just trying to figure this out, man, because, I mean, Brent Jones is telling me football shit, and he's supposedly a, a dude who played, right? Oh, yeah. So I'm just trying to learn. That's all, I'm, that's all I'm saying. I'm not. All right. You're not, you're not savvy with the lingo, huh? No. All right. Okay. And, uh, you know, if I, if I have to write these things down every week until we get to the bottom of this, I will. Okay, that, I think that's a great segment. We will we'll do that. <laughs> we'll call it football or not football. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, the one other thing I want to talk about that I had on my list was um, the Terry Glenn saga. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I had made note of that. Yeah, because it wasn't in any of the, the papers or anything, so maybe it was like early in the week or something. But um, the commentators talked about how next week Terry Glenn was coming back and what had led to that. Cause apparently he had been suspended four games for violating the league substance abuse policy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, a, what substance he abused. Do you remember? I don't know. I mean, obviously like, he had his off the field issues. So I, my mind yeah. tends to think that, but yeah, I didn't think it was like a PD thing. No, I don't um, think so. But, uh, then they they talked about how Belichick, because he was suspended, so he didn't show up to like uh, OTAs or camp or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so Belichick just said, "Fuck it, you're suspended for the year." Yeah, <laughs> which is such a fucking Belichick move. It is. But I guess like they didn't say why, but like, oh, but so that got reversed. So I'm assuming. Yeah, they like, said it, that he appealed. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, why i mean i'm assuming it's because it's not a rule like you can't just suspend somebody for i mean he didn't show up to practice and stuff though so i don't know there is so i yeah i mean who did they who did he appeal that to the league or the nflpa or to belichick himself but whatever happened nflpa took it to the league yeah it got reversed so um but they were talking about how immature glenn was saying he did nothing wrong and like he should take accountability and all this stuff and which also led me to think about the whole Antonio Brown thing. Um, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, because I, I mean, yeah, it's and it, obviously now with Twitter and everything, things are just blown out a little bit more. But mm. um, you know, 
he has been shooting himself in the foot a few times and then not necessarily acknowledging that it's his fault. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe he did stuff, maybe he didn't. You know, currently at the right. time that we're talking about this, he's accused. I don't know what he did and what he didn't do. So I'm not yeah. going to condemn, condemn him for something that I don't know. But um, I will say he's not making the smartest choices. And uh, it's kind of got a, like, Terry Glenn feel. Like, if Terry Glenn had Twitter, this might be similar. It, yeah, it might um, be very similar. I agree with that. And, uh, and today, I don't know when this is, uh, is going to be out, so it's probably going to be dated information, but still, it's a nostalgia podcast, so you guys can hear about what was happening yeah. even this year. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Antonio Brown today, um, so he's supposed to meet with the, uh, the, oh, the NFL league, investigators yeah. Yeah, about you know, his uh, accused um, sexual harassment case um, mm-hmm. situation. And uh, he immediately after getting, so he's been sort of campaigning to get this interview done with. And then like literally within a couple of hours of that information, you know, being released that he was supposed to meet with them next week. He went on a Twitter tirade kind of telling yeah. the NFL to go fuck themselves and he doesn't need anybody. Yeah. And then Call him racist racist yep um he told all the fantasy football uh players to go fuck themselves and then within two hours of that there was a very well written um statement where he basically acknowledged that he's just frustrated he still wants to play and uh, oh really yeah yeah uh i didn't see that i would definitely check that out right now um but it's uh you know Chances are it could be written by Drew Rosenhaus. I don't know. The writing styles are a little bit different. Um, <laughs> but it basically oh, yeah. said that he's frustrated that he wants to get back in the NFL and he wants to do it ASAP. So yes. I'm, I'm just Lord- very frustrated right now with these false allegations and slander to my name. I love football and I miss it. I just want to play and I'm very emotional about that. I'm determined to make my way back to the NFL ASAP. So clearly that sounds like Antonio. Um, <laughs> as opposed to his previous one that was like fuck this and fuck that and i'm out making money on my body on my mind no way you know <laughs> some shit like that and now he's like I, I i just miss you guys um yo nfl go fuck yourself yeah he's i, I love his personality and i mean i do think he's an entertaining guy i love like watching him i think he's engaging but uh he's something. he definitely um does it, something seems off. I don't know if he's doing this for a brand or because he's kind of going through things, but yeah. it, it definitely seems like, and hopefully it doesn't end like the Terry Glenn thing. And like he gets right. this thing situated and I don't know, I don't know if it's like, you know, people like to throw around CTE and, you know, obviously those perfect hits when he was on the Steelers um, didn't help anything probably, but uh, I don't know why he's doing this. It's sad to see because I would have loved to watch Antonio play. Um, but Terry Glenn was also a guy that I kind of love to watch. I mean, I watched him, you know, I went to a couple of games when he was on the team. I liked watching it, but he was inconsistent and he did have all his troubles. So, um, but when he was on the field, he was, he was great to watch. Yeah. It it does feel very similar now that you say that. It's a shame. So it is. hopefully he'll get it, uh, sorted out. And... Um, I also wrote down, and this is a pretty big one for me to admit, but um, I have the first time I've been disappointed in Lee Johnson this season so far. <laughs> uh, I know I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan. I uh, love what he's done. Love what he's, uh, you know, he had been doing throughout his career. Big Lee Johnson fan. 
but this one just did not pass the sniff test. I mean, he, he averaged 40, almost 45 yards a punt. He just wasn't that consistent. Yeah, but like, what about that like 20-yarder? Like, what's up with that? Yeah, he, he had five punts. Two of them were like one was 28 yards, one was like just over 30, and the other ones were like bombed or like 50, 60 yards. So you never knew what you were going to get with them. That's right. But so. yeah, so I mean, yeah, between that and the Troy Brown fumbled punt, it was uh, it was tough. It was a tough day for all all three phases, as Belichick would say. That's um, right. But yeah, so let's uh, let's do best and worst. We'll we'll wrap this up. I mean, we've tackled so much. Um, you want me to go first? Yeah, do it. All right. So um, my best was finding out that uh, Jason Taylor married Zach Thomas's sister. Oh, yeah. That was interesting. <laughs> See how close they are? That's right. Yeah. That's why that's, they were a crazy duo. That's team camaraderie right there. And good for Zach. You know, like that's just being okay with that, taking him in into his family. I mean, what are you going to say? No to Jason Taylor? I mean, that'd be a hell of a fucking hell of a I, I'd yeah, disagreement. Taylor. Well, He's beautiful. There's he's a, a lot of man. people that I would marry before Jason Taylor, but he's great. A lot. I think he's probably up there. And in I'm the not NFL. judging you, dude. Like, in the NFL. In the NFL. Oh, in the NFL? Yeah. Hollywood doesn't care. You live in Hollywood. That doesn't count. Well, I do know somebody who is married to an NFL player and he's really good. I won't say who, but I probably <laughs> would marry him because he's probably the most attainable. Tom Brady? Nope. All right. See? Guess it'll leave Jimmy, it up to Jimmy the imagination. G. You know, this is um, <laughs> this is what they call a teaser. Ooh, girl. I learned that from you. All right, yeah. So next week, find out who Mike knows that he would <laughs> sleep with in the NFL. Right. right. <laughs> Great segment. Uh, hell yeah! So my worst, um, it was the touchdown at the end of the half. Um, not so much because of the touchdown itself, although that was bad because it was Teddy Bruski in coverage 20 yards downfield, um, which looked exactly like you would expect it to with uh, Captain Neckroll trying to, to cover a, a tight end. But also the fact that when they scored the touchdown, the song that came on immediately after was Who Let the Dogs Out? Oh, um, yeah. You know, I Dolphins found myself singing celebratory with that. song, <laughs> which I, I, I don't think I've actually sung that song since college when I would buy um, a 30 rack of Red Dog. Oh, literally, no. So I could bring it to house parties and oh, sing that no. song as I would pull it out of my backpack. Um, I was singing this and then my girlfriend came into the room. She was like, <laughs> it's a little confused. I think we talked about it for a while and I defended my choice because it was the party song of that time. Oh yeah, of, of the early 2000s. Yeah, and Woomp There It Is, which I still stand Ooh. by that one. Yeah, I feel like that was a little earlier. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, those are my best and worst. All right, my uh, best was um, Jay Fiedler. Uh, there's less than 30 seconds left. Uh, he's in the uh, Pats red zone, and he's running the no huddle. And <laughs> he's he scrambles. He gets plowed, right? Yeah. And – he, he's, uh, he's rushing everybody to the line, and they need to get a first down. Brent Jones is harping on this. It's like yeah. time is running off the clock. It's like um, 
second or third down or whatever it is, and they still have chances. And yeah. he's running everybody. I think he was concussed, man. I don't think he knew where he was, but he got lit up. Yeah, and he like rushed everybody to the line, and then he calls a quarterback sneak. So he gets <laughs> the first down, and Brett Jones is like, "Oh man!" Even though he took a pop, like yeah. he, he's self aware. He knew that he needed the first down. Meanwhile, another like twenty seconds goes off the clock. Yeah. I'm like, I've never seen a like and, a like. <laughs> yeah, and that QB sneak, he got kind of like stood up, and he got lit up again. He did <laughs> two yeah. plays in a row. Yeah, but and then Brent Jones was like, just loving it. He was like, "That's what but, you got to yeah. do. You got to do that." Why? He had two downs to kind of go for something. Exactly. Spike it. Take a timeout. You had a couple left. Yeah, but uh, I mean, he was. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he was. It was like that Snickers commercial. It was like, "Oh, do you know where you are?" It's like, "Yeah, it's it's third and two with twenty seconds left." It's like, "Oh, and who are you?" I'm Batman. Like he definitely thought he was Batman on that play. Um. I would say that that is an accurate assessment and probably what the commercial was based on. I don't know which came first. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> um, Jay Fiedler definitely came first. Yeah, then there you go. Uh, That's what Brett Jones would say anyway. Yeah, and then the worst I would say is Brett Jones. I mean, he was a, a source <laughs> of, of inspiration for me in terms of... And also of, confusion from the sound of it. Right, yeah. Very confused, but I'm also entertained because the game itself sucks. Um, but I would also say one of the worst moments was when the commentator said that Tom Brady won a national championship at Michigan in 97 as a backup. And he hadn't won a championship after that. So it made me sad because it was the one true time that Tom Brady was a loser. <laughs> All right. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty good one. I'll give you that. Nicely yeah. done. Thank you. Nicely done. Great. All right. Well, I think, uh, do, what do we have to look forward to next week? Um, you tell me, Andy. So next week, oh, it's the, uh, the Chargers coming into town. Nice. A three and one Chargers who were undefeated until losing to the Browns this week uh, with Doug Flutie at the helm because this was when uh, the Bills had to make a choice between Doug Flutie and Rob Johnson. Because mm-hmm. that was in the Boston Globe too, and they went with Rob Johnson, who led them promptly to an own three start, and then got hurt and threw a bunch right. of interceptions and fumbles. And Doug Flutie was leading the Chargers to a three and one start, and uh, they obviously made the wrong decision there, which is pretty typical Bills. Level. So we have to look forward to that. Them coming to town, riding high. Leading the league, even though they were but one fifteen the year before. The the substance abuse policy, obviously. Oh, absolutely not. Uh, that that didn't come till later with um, what the hell is his name? The the sack dance guy. Oh, Sean Merriman. Yes, <laughs> I was talking about the uh, recreational um, variety, but that too. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that then. That we'll yeah. save that for next week. It's okay. a teaser. We call that in, a, in the biz, Mike. I already used that, man. We can't use that every episode. It's called a callback, Mike. All right, fine. That's <laughs> what we call it in the biz, a callback. Well, if anybody's still listening, you just learned something. <laughs> That's right. So, not a lot of high hopes going into this next game, but we'll see how it goes. Will Tom Brady ever throw a touchdown? Will the Patriots win another game, or will they stay one win on the season forever? My guess is Yes. Tune in next week for all that and more, and maybe some other so guests. So much more. Between so many guests. Weeks.
So many the guests. best guests. <laughs> <laughs> go on. No, don't go on. <laughs> We're going to call it right there. Uh, all right. So until next week, we will see you then. Later.